Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your hosts, Joe Rowles and Jeff Essery. Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I'm Jeff Essery. And I am Joe Rowles. Well, free agents upon us, and we both you know, we're on the same wavelength. Um, the league new year starts March seventeenth, so we're counting down now um, for when free agency opens up, and Denver has up until then to decide what they want to do with a lot of their players. And so we figured we'd take this episode to really talk through kind of the free agency picture and just kind of spitball it and get, and give our thoughts. And so we'll, we'll kind of just jump in and, and dig in. What do you think, Joe? So here's my most, seemingly my most controversial take, or it has been for the last couple of days. I think that the Broncos would be stupid to have to, fran- like, I, I, I think obviously it's better to franchise tag Justin Simmons than to let him test the market. But I do think that they've had they've had the chance to negotiate with him since the end of the league year, since the regular season ended. I've checked with this with three people. I understand that George Payton is new on the job, but he's been on the job now for a month. So like the fact that they're still not like they have a couple weeks, but if it if it turns into a franchise tag situation, I'm pretty unhappy about it. And again, like this might be controversial, but like my thought is, and I, I've talked to Nick Corti about this. If they sign him to an extension, they can they can play with the cap number enough that the Broncos can still be pretty aggressive in this free agency period. And if the salary cap is as low as it might be, that could be a huge advantage because 13 teams as of now look like they might have to dump talent just to comply with the cap. 
Like franchise tag yeah. exempt, it screws that up. Yeah, and that'll be interesting to see what happens. And it's funny, and I was thinking about this when you tweeted something out, and it is totally off topic, but I'll get there. Um, it, you tweeted something out about like I think the, like where the insiders are within the Broncos organization at this point, and I feel like it's 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 a thought I hadn't really thought of is with George Payton coming in. It's almost a whole new it's a whole new regime, and it's a whole new information flow as well, right? Because with John Elway, like. People, you know, people that were close to John Elway. People had sources that were close to John Elway, and so you kind of, you kind of got the feel for how much information was going to get leaked out, whether it was before the draft or like what we were going to be able to know. With George Payton, it's just kind of a, a bit of a wild card right now, well, and that's the same. I think that wild card carries over not only on like the amount of information we get, but also in what he's going to do, particularly as it relates to like franchising and long-term extensions, because John Elway kind of had an MO, right? It was, you, you franchise tag the guy and then you work out a long-term deal while they're on the franchise tag. And obviously last year, Justin Simmons bucked the trend a little bit with that because of all the COVID stuff. And I think that you could probably caveat that, but every, everybody else, it was Demarius Thomas, it was Von Miller, it was Brandon McManus. All those guys got the franchise tag and then John Elway worked out eventually a long-term deal with them. We don't know what George Payton's kind of MO when it comes to approaching big contracts is or, or what that's going to look like. So that kind of it's a really interesting kind of wrench that gets thrown at everything. Well, and one of the devil's advocate type of approaches. And again, I'm not I'm not advocating for this. I'm just kind of I've been thinking about it a lot because I've been reading a lot of free agent stuff the last probably about the last week. This free agent market at safety is actually considered really strong, like really strong. Um so honestly, and again, I'm not, I, I want the Broncos to pay Justin Simmons what he's worth. Cause I think he's one of the best safeties in football. Like, and I don't think that's, I don't think it's particularly debatable, but that's the whole thing. But with the safety market being as loaded as it is and the cap situation around the league being potentially as weird as it is, the Broncos may very well let Simmons test the market or see what he could earn on the market. Even if it's not like official walk into free agency. Cause like everyone's tampering. Like I was reading a thing about this. People are like normally combine week is a tampering period just because the combine went off. Like it's gone because of COVID doesn't mean teams aren't calling agents to work out what they can sign players for. Like it was on pro football talk today. It's been out in the it's, it's in the weeds. Like you've been seeing it on Twitter already. Like people are talking to players. So the Broncos may very well be telling Justin Simmons, go find out what you're worth. Yeah. And that's, an, and that's, an approach. It's not one that I would. Oh, I don't advocate for it. No. Well, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't advocate that for that as well. But yeah, I mean, that's a that's something that George Payton could do, and it's you know, like I said, it's a bit of a wild card. We don't really know what he would do. Um, I mean, we said it when he first signed on, though, right? Is his the first couple big pieces that he had to work out, and the first one was Justin Simmons. The second one was Von Miller, and then the third is what he wants to do at quarterback. And obviously, all of those big questions are still kind of out there as we approach the new league year. And I said it at the time and I still agree. Like, I still think this way is that it would be an easy put points on the board, like absolute layup for George Payton to sign Justin Simmons to a long-term contract. With that said, um, it's interesting when you look at the numbers because, and you tweeted this out the other day in terms of like what top safeties are making right now. And they're making in the 14 million a year range. Mm-hmm. Justin Simmons played on the franchise tag for 11 million last year. Yep. And the because, new franchise tag would be 13 ish roughly, which, which really speaks to how undervalued safety play is compared to like most other positions in the league, them and tight ends. Yeah. 
And really, I think what's happening is the top is now being reset and the franchise tag hasn't caught up to that top, mm -hmm. right? So you still have the the rest of the group that are still on legacy contracts and the new ones are getting replenished. And so I'm sure the franchise tag will catch up soon. But I mean, Denver may have, they may be exploiting kind of that little bug in the market because I mean, that gives them negotiating leverage, right? Because they could have approached Simmons for a long-term contract at what, 14 million a year last year. And he would be about to start a 14 million a year deal and would have played last year on a 14-ish million a year deal. And now they may get him at two years at 24 million. Yeah. Right. With both the franchise tags added up. And so that does give them leverage. And I get it. If they did want to just stay with two franchise well, tags in a row. And I and, and I think it's worth noting that the franchise tag, even if you don't apply it, it still gives you leverage if you're a team. Because in any negotiation with Justin Simmons, in the back of his mind, he has to know that they could just tag me again. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's the starting point for the average per year. That's the starting point because that's the ceiling, at least for what he could make this year, unless there's other concessions that you could potentially make. It's like, okay, well, then we'll just tag you and we'll just roll, you know, we'll renegotiate. And obviously it, that is a strategy and it could potentially backfire. But I mean, heck, we've seen the Dallas Cowboys do that at quarterback, mm -hmm. at franchise quarterback. I'm not saying that's smart. But that's a that's an approach that teams are doing is just leveraging the franchise tag if the contract if the contract situation is so has inflated past the franchise tag value the franchise tag kind of artificially puts a cap on that for you and allows you to to keep players cheaper really than their market worth and so um, you know I don't fault Denver for doing that if they end up tagging him and, and playing him out another year. Um, but I would say that they have a golden opportunity to potentially leverage the franchise tag and still use that to just sign into a long-term deal. And it would be a nice feather in George Payton's cap right off the bat. Yeah. And I mean, Justin Simmons deserves it. He's the type of player. I think you made the point too, is that, you know, this is exactly the kind of player you want to keep around. You don't dra don't drag your feet on signing this guy that you want to be the core of your defense for the next five years. The the other side, like the 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 one argument I think for uh, keeping him on the tag is if George Payton doesn't necessarily feel comfortable with what he could do in another system, if that's worth that kind of money, and he doesn't necessarily believe that Fangio will be here again. That's like going down into like a like if then if then if then type thing. So like I, I'm not necessarily saying that's in his mind at all, but I'm just saying like it is a possibility that we don't know. We we honestly like everyone's speculating on what George Payton's going to do, but the thing is George Payton stood, stepped into a situation that's basically the the old Broncos front office, the old Broncos scouting like team, everything like that, and George Payton is the new guy. So like if I was George Payton, and again like we can all do this, but like if I was George Payton, like. I would keep my own thoughts and my own plans and my own concerns pretty close to the vest because you know, it's a leaky market. Like we've known what John Elway's thinking for the better part of the last three seasons because everybody finds out and everybody leaks it. Yeah. And I mean, to the, I know we've talked to this at quarterback as well, but I mean, George Payton could very well use the tag as I mean, to kick the can down the road a little bit and, and see what happens, right? And I mm -hmm. think there's, there's a valid argument for that, particularly as it relates to Justin Simmons and the league cap is where, you know, that, that was the reason 
one, I think the biggest reason probably that Justin Simmons isn't on a long-term deal now is because of all the COVID cap stuff. And I think John Elway, I forget if, if there's a specific quote around that or maybe it was just kind of insinuated, but I think they pretty much admitted that. Mm-hmm. Of they weren't really sure what the cap was going to be doing. They wanted him on a long-term deal, all of that. And so you know, George Payton could very well do that again and kind of see where things shake out with the cap next year. And also that gives you one more year to see where everything shakes out with your team, right? To your point, are you, are you restarting from like literal ground zero and new coaching staff, all of that? Like we all hope that isn't the case, but I think the, the less you tie yourself right now before you've even played a snap of football and know who your quarterback is, the less, like the more flexibility you get in 2022, I think is probably going to be the story for this year for George Payton is maximum flexibility in 2022. And that, that probably is the filter for every decision that is going to be made this offseason. And if, and if the Broncos were kind of comfortable with the idea of Drew Locker bottom out, it would make sense to basically gut the, the big money people off the defense that they can. Because right now, if Justin Simmons, Von Miller, Kareem Jackson, like the core pl- Shelby Harris, if the core players come back, as long as Drew Locke is not worse than he was last year, and again, he was pretty bad, the Broncos probably aren't going to be 5-11 and 11 again because the injury luck is probably going to bounce in their favor. So so realistically, it, the range of outcomes is probably better than 5-11 and 11, unless they have a ton of injuries on the offensive side of the ball because they were relatively healthy there and the defense just isn't good enough. So yeah. like, if you were trying to bottom out, it would make sense to, to let Justin Simmons go or trade him dump Kareem Jackson, dump Von Miller, don't resign Shelby Harris. And then, and again, I'm not saying, again, not advocating for that. I'm just saying if, if that was a possibility that they're open to with the idea that, Hey, it's my first year. If it bottoms out, it bottoms out. They could do it. Yeah. And, and I think like to the counterpoint to that is right. I don't think anybody actually builds their roster planning to fail, but you would want flexibility if yes. you did, if everything did fall on your face, like, you wouldn't want to be tied to three 30-year-old defensive players that you couldn't get out from under quickly if you needed to flip the roster, right? It's, it's, it's like this. Like, let's say they let Von Miller go or they keep Von Miller on a one-year deal and they keep Kareem Jackson on a one-year deal and they keep Justin Simmons just on the tag. Let's say the first five games of the year, Drew Locke looks exactly like he did last year and they know they're going to be pretty bad. You could trade all those players at, before the deadline on deals that are pretty easy to move. Whereas if you sign Justin Simmons to a long-term extension, you're not trading you can't trade them. You're going to be eating all the guarantees then. Like no one does that. Yeah. So um, beyond that though, I, I wanted to talk about your tweet from yesterday because I thought that was fun. It was a fun tweet. Has John Elway let guys go too soon is how I interpreted it. Yeah. And, and, and I didn't, I didn't do a lot of digging on this. So some of these might be, I, I'm happy to get, I'm happy to debate it with you because some of these might be more flimsy than others. Um, but the first one that comes to my mind was Justin Simmons, just for, or not Justin Simmons, Justin Hollins from this year, just in the fact that, like, I think he's an extremely promising player. Again, he may very well not be great, but it didn't cost the Broncos anything to keep him other than maybe a tight end. They chose Jake Butt over Justin Hollins, and I thought that was a stupid mistake. Like, to me, that just, looked dumb. Yeah. And let me, let me back it up really quick before we dive in super deep into this is the – kind of the context for the tweet was, I was really, really in prep for this talk, was thinking about 
if you know letting guys like Jarrell Casey go potentially, or what happens if they let Shelby Harris walk, or you know, who knows what happens to Melvin Gordon, right? Like you could see some semi big name Denver players, and and AJ Boye was cut, right? Mm-hmm. And so like these were all players that we thought were going to do well last year. Like we were really excited about going into the. Um, 2020 season it just didn't pan out right they were good to, i'm not going to pan the decisions they were good decisions at the time and we said that and i think you would agree yeah they were decisions at the time um melvin gordon I, i'm going to stay on that i don't want, I don't want anyone to misinterpret yeah. that i i am still yeah. very critical yeah. of the melvin gordon probably, contract yeah. i think he was good but yeah 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 um and so it just got me thinking and again it's a new regime now right but looking back over elway's tenure I felt like that was one of the strengths actually was that Denver had a pretty good feel for the most part. And this is where I was coming from with my tweet. They, they had a pretty good feel of when to let guys go, right? Of when to let them walk as opposed to hanging on to them for maybe a couple years too late or, you know, maybe they, they hung out on a, on a year too late or something like that. And so I really hadn't thought much about it past that and would, you know, wanted to know, hey, you know, Besides Shaq Barrett, obviously, he's the big example everybody has of, oh, I wish we had him back. I wish we hadn't let him go. There wasn't a ton that popped out to me right away of the the one that got away, right, yeah. of teams that you, you, let them, you let them go and they go blossom somewhere else. But then you brought up some really interesting ones that I hadn't necessarily thought of. And so let's – Let's yeah. let's get on it. Because there was a couple that I disagreed with, but I think there was a couple that you brought up that I hadn't thought of, so they were good. Well, and to to your point though, I do think that you're right. That generally speaking, John Elway's done a really good job with that. I don't think anyone's perfect, and 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 I'm in some of these I was really vocal about at the time, which is why I stand by them because I think I'm I think I'm right in this on some of these. Like, well, I think I'm right in all of these, but it's the whole thing. Ha. The big well, the big the big one for me. And I was critical at the time. Everyone blasted me for it. So this is why it's so easy to remember. I thought pushing Case Keenum out the door was stupid. And, and I thought the Joe Flacco trade, that essentially they, they paid Washington to take Case Keenum to then turn around and trade a, a pick for Joe Flacco. And, and I get all the rationale as, as it was happening. Everyone had all the rationale as it was happening. But for me, and again, and I said this then, like Case Keenum wasn't bad. Like he wasn't good, but he was probably hovering between like the 25th and 32nd best starting quarterback in the league. And Joe Flacco was right around that same ballpark. So for me, you were eating dead money and trading a pick to get essentially the same guy or praying you have a scheme fit that elevates it. And you're dealing with a huge injury risk when Case Keenum has been pretty durable for his entire career. So like for me, that was a really stupid move. I hated it when it happened and I've only hated it as much or more since. Here's my take on that. Here's my here would be my pushback is I think you have to separate the two moves, right? And at least for this question, if we're if we're entertaining the question of like, did you let a guy go too soon? Yeah. I think you only have to focus on the front end of that, right? And not yeah. did you replace him with a better player? Because I agree with you. Like at the time, I was kind of you know YOLO on Joe Flacco. It's like you might so, as well. So that even even from that perspective, then I don't like it because you ate money to give him away. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't like that. And again, yeah. like I, I, and I argued this when it happened, Case Keenum was basically a bridge. Like in, in the year, his second year of his contract, he was going to serve as a bridge because realistically we all knew he wasn't going to be extended to be a starting quarterback again. Like he was, he, we knew he wasn't really a starter. He's a, he's ideally a QB two. And again, he, he's decent at it. And he's the kind of character guy that I thought could be a decent bridge. So like to push him out the door 
and to pay Washington to take him just seemed it just it reeked of a PR decision for me and I hated it. Here's my I would disagree with you on just these two these two grabs. One, I agree with you on the the dead money stuff, right? And we've talked we talked about this when yeah. it happened. And I was just checking actually, Denver finally is out from under all of that dead money, right? So they're in they're in a really good spot cap wise, but the last two years they've kind of been um, carrying the weight of that contract decision with Case Keenum. I think where I would come from it, it is like it, it, they didn't replace him with anybody good, right? With Joe, Joe Flacco didn't work out, and then Drew Locke came in later in the season. But I didn't go see him play somewhere else and go, man, I miss him. It's yeah. just more. It's more like you knew what you had with Case Keenum. We probably could have done done fine like keeping that around because we actually went down from case keenum yeah but to me you already knew like you just said it right he's a qb2 you yep. already knew you had a qb2 and so if you know he's not going to change from that i'm okay moving on from him and knowing that like you're not going to miss what you have because he's not going to turn into something different like that's fair if you, if you miss it you miss the qb2 like oh i wish we had the qb2 back right yeah <laughs> because doing so bad at quarterback and that's kind of where it went no but and it's i not, I it's not that, that he improved you know but i don't disagree with you on the on the cap stuff um i think we both agree on elvis doomerville yeah i forgot about that one that was a, I, I will mean, never forget that because elvis doomerville is my favorite player who is not probably going to be at, in the hall of fame i mean he lit it up when he went to the it was the ravens right he, he went I, there and had a not, really good run with Terrell Suggs for a couple years. And and not only so and what made me really upset as it happened, and again, this is like outside the context of actually like your point, but the the way the Broncos did it, and it, I don't know if you kept up with this as it was happening, but uh Doomerville's agent basically said that the Broncos initially told him that in, in exchange for chopping four million dollars off of Doomerville's 2003 salary, they would add money on and like kind of like smooth it all out at the back end. But then when they presented the actual contract, it didn't have it. And then and then that's what ended up leading to the whole like like stalemate that led to the fax gate. So it was like the Broncos tried to like sneak a fast one by Doomerville and then they they cut him because he called them on it. So just like the optics of it was bad. He ended up going on to succeed elsewhere. And again, like I as a fan, I loved him. Like he he was a guy I saw coming out. It was like the whole thing. But yeah, I loved him. Um, so I was really upset about that deal, and I'll never forget that. Set the stage a little bit, I think, for the John Elway era of how he was going to be with players, right? Aside from the Champ Bailey um, kind of olive branch extension, and then maybe the Peyton Manning stuff, everything else, it was John Elway was going to nickel and dime the players, and he was going to squeeze every last piece of value out. And in some respects, that was a good thing, right? We we loved him for it when he got those great deals yeah. and when he brought the free agency, and we hated it when it was uh, somebody like Doomerville, where it's like, come on, guys, like just give him an extra million and call it a day, like and, get him on the roster. And and again, like if we're looking at like what they did from there, like obviously they wouldn't have brought in Demarcus Ware if not for moving on from Elvis Doomerville. And I think and I think Demarcus Ware should make the Ring of Fame. So like I I understand where it went. I'm not I'm not complaining about that. But I do think that they pushed Elvis Doomerville out too soon. So, like, from an answer of your question, I think it did meet that. That one that got away. Yeah, Elvis yeah. Doomerville is definitely one that got away. Uh, I think you and I don't agree on Chris Harris. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And, again, that one's probably a similar one to, like, the Case Keenum, where yeah. it's like 
you know, the the circumstances of who they replaced him with, like AJ Boye obviously didn't work out. And I mean, I was an advocate at the time of, um, you know, bringing him back if it made sense from a financial perspective. But when I look at it from what he did the year afterwards, it's not like we were watching Chris Harris and going, man, I yeah. wish we'd have him around. It was more of like, we didn't have much on the roster after that. And, yeah. and you kind of like, oh, I wish we had him back now that we have all these injuries and stuff. But it wasn't like he went and lit the league on fire for another two years and we were missing him because of that. So that's where I would disagree. I am really curious to see if LA is willing to pay $11 million to have Chris Harris this year because he was hurt for a big chunk of last year and essentially for their system. And, and I'm curious to see how Brandon Staley uses him because again, Brandon Staley was in Denver his last year in Denver too. So like he's very familiar with Chris Harris. So I'm curious to see if he sees him as an inside outside corner or if he's strictly a nickel going forward. Cause if he's strictly a nickel, I don't, I can't see them paying him $11 million. Yeah. So that, but I, 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 I it's a, I agree with you. I think, I don't like it, but I also might be too close to the Chris Harris. Like Chris Harris is another one of my favorite players, obviously historically. And also, I I would have preferred to have Chris Harris last year. And then, yeah, if he got hurt, he got hurt over doing what they did with AJ Boye. So that's that's where I was at going into the decisions. And I still thought the AJ Boye decision was a smart one at the time. It was yeah. a gamble. It made did, it didn't work out, but yeah. But that's where I was at with that one. Um, quick quick thing, I, as I'm thinking about it, like on the flip side. I just, I think to, for, to illustrate the point of what both you and I have talked about of that they have done a good job moving on from guys, like just off the top of my head, I'm thinking about, I mean, even, even though I liked Derek Wolf, like the Derek Wolf decision, um, Emmanuel Sanders, Akeem so, Tlaib, TJ Ward, Demarius Thomas, like big time players who Peyton were Manning. kind of, let's be real, Peyton Manning, like Peyton Manning, I, there was a lot of news after the Super Bowl that Peyton Manning wanted to play another year. Cause I remember at one point there was, there was kind of some rumors that the Vikings would be interested. So that's like a whole thing too. Like, cause George Payton was there, but, but there was some word that the Vikings were interested. And then the Broncos basically were like, no, we're not bringing you back. And Peyton retired rather than go and play some random year for some random franchise. Yeah. And so there's a lot of like, it's, it's interesting yeah. that I mean, there at the time they were semi ballsy moves almost of like, I mean, trading Demarius Thomas middle of the season, they traded Emmanuel Sanders middle of the season. Um, and so it, those actually in hindsight, those worked out from yes. a, like none of those guys, I think oh. those guys peaked in Denver. Right. I, I would argue that Emmanuel Sanders, like you could argue either way, but like from a timeline of when Denver traded him, it made no sense to keep him. So, like, I have no problem with moving him. Also, the fact that everything we've heard about what happened in Tennessee, like how he essentially just refused to play the second half of the Tennessee game, if a guy does that, he's gone. Like, you can't you can't deal with a guy doing that. That that ruins your locker room for a new coach. Like, you just you can't do that. So, like, I, I don't have any problem with moving Emmanuel Sanders. And I want to be quick with the last two just because I think I think we're – Danny Trevathan made sense for why they didn't resign it because of the injury woes and the injury concerns – Granted, it didn't work out, but like it made sense that they did it. But I do think they let him go too soon. But yeah. that said, I also understand it. I'm not critical of that one. Yeah, that was one that came to mind for me right after I tweeted it and I followed it up with maybe Danny Trevathan would be the one that I would say. And again, you know, it's all I, like I get why they did it. And I, I'm with you. I don't disagree with the move they made, but he is one that Denver did let go. And it's like, oh man, he went to have, you know, he went on to have another good couple years under Vic Fangio. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. 
perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. In Chicago. Mm -hmm. The last one for me is Malik Jackson. And... I and this is where I'm coming from with Malik Jackson. So again, it might not necessarily fit like what what like the whole like what you were thinking with your tweet. The Broncos essentially chose Derek Wolf over Malik Jackson in part because they could get Derek Wolf for cheaper than they were gonna be able to get from Malik Jackson. When they re-signed Derek Wolf, it was obvious that they were not gonna keep Malik Jackson unless they could get him on a team friendly deal. And then it came up to the point where they were trying to figure out if they were gonna try and keep Brock Osweiler or Malik Jackson. They lost them both. And Malik Jackson's balled out. Like, granted, the last couple of years, obviously, he's he's declining now. Like, that's but like after he left, yeah, he was a pretty darn good pass rusher for Jacksonville for a number of years. Yeah, that was one that I think uh, it didn't really pop onto my radar because it was more of a financial decision as opposed to we're going to let him go right at the peak mm-hmm. of his career or whatever. Uh, but I do agree. I think I think that's probably one that I overlooked in that. Um, you know, you can make the argument, I think, probably that Malik Jackson on his deal would have been worth more to Denver than Derek Wolf on his deal, even though it was a, a decent a decent difference in the in the price tag. They probably would have, they would probably do a do over, right? And take Malik Jackson on a more expensive deal than Derek Wolf. Well, what it comes down to is Derek Wolf is a very good run defender and an okay pass rusher for his career. And again, I'm not trying to hate on him, it's just the reality of the facts. Malik Jackson was a very good pass rusher and a good, like a good-ish run defender, and like that's the difference in the price. And that's honestly why I would say I would have rather had a really good pass rusher than a good run defender. Yeah. You can find run defense. Run defense is cheap in the NFL. Like that's pretty easy to find. Yeah, um, he would be an interesting one to keep around and see yeah. what happens. Uh, one that somebody floated to me that I think is kind of interesting. I, I want to get onto like our free agent thoughts, but like one that I thought was interesting is uh, someone brought up Billy Turner. And I think I agree. I think letting Billy Turner go to Green Bay, and and, th- and again, this is like a. I would have to go back and really watch Billy Turner to see how he fits with where the offense has moved now. Um, and I would also like the, the the what makes it really apparent is the fact that they let Billy Turner go, and then they turned around and signed Juwan James, and now they've signed Graham Glasgow. So like, Billy Turner easily could have been one of those two players, and he's out playing his current contract. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I think Denver, like Elijah Wilkinson is probably that guy that made Billy Turner expendable. But if you were going to take one of the two, I think probably Billy Turner, I, I would take Billy Turner on the deal that he has with Green Bay as opposed to Elijah Wilkinson. And so, yeah, that, that may be one where, and I will say this, Green Bay's offensive line is really, really well coached. Not yes, that Denver yes. isn't, right, with Mike Munchak, but with where they were at, I think maybe they were able to unlock a little potential in Turner that Denver just did it. Uh, if you guys have any that we haven't thought of, I would love to hear them. 
Um, we're looking at specifically like the Elway era. So don't go too far back because like that, it's not really relevant to the tweet, but, um, let us know. Are there any free agents that you think that Elway let go too soon? Um, with that in mind though, I want to know what you would do in free agency and I'm not going to roast you for it, but someone else might. Um, I know I'm probably going to get roasted for some of mine. So, but where, where are you at? And, uh, so the kind of the rules to this and I, cause I like, it's hard to do number stuff in a podcast format. So like, sorry guys, like we're not going to be looking at every single thing with the numbers. The other thing that's really important to keep in mind is the cap situation. in The NFL is so fluid right now. Um, right now over the cap is projecting that the cap could be one, 180.5 million because, uh, the reports have come out that the, the lowest, the cap ceiling can be is 180 million. Um, that said, it could be noticeably higher because, the NFL is currently working to negotiate TV deals and they may try and borrow from those to elevate the cap. Also, because those TV deals, the free agent marketplace is going to be really unpredictable because some teams may be willing to gamble on the fact that they'll have a lot of cap room next year. Yeah. And that's what makes this exercise a little bit wonky too, is because we, you don't have like a solid number for mm-hmm. where the cap's going to land or what they're going to do with Vaughn Miller or Justin Simmons and all of that. But I mean, I'll go off the top just quickly, and let's let's ping pong it back and forth. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. I know you've got like a um, a pretty structured plan too of what you would do, but I mean, I would I would sign Justin Simmons long term or try to get him on a franchise tag. Um, I mean, obviously I wouldn't let him walk, but I think you need to have him back for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think they probably end up will just tag you know, they just will would tag him as opposed to long term deal, and so. Um, it's kind of a toss up for me. Like I get the, I get the cost saving perspective. Um, and so, I mean, just to be a little different, I'd say I'll, I'll tag him. I'll tag okay. him as opposed to, to long-term deal. Cause I know you would, you would sign him to I a would, long-term deal. I would sign him to a long-term deal and I would try and structure it like they did with Garrett Bowles where his cap hit this year is pretty low. Um, Nick Corti, who works for over the cap actually estimated that you could artificially lower uh, Justin Simmons' cap hit this year as low as $4 million, which is insane. Like, granted, you'd be paying a lot down the road, but the idea is the cap is going to go up. That deal, it's not going to matter. Um, So here's one. I- I'm going to give you these two just because, like, Kareem Jackson and Von Miller, would you keep them or would you let them go? I'd keep Kareem Jackson. I'd pick up his option. Okay. I, would I think you want him in the secondary. Um, with Vaughn, I – I would do his. I think there's obviously a lot of stuff, and I'm not going to get into it right now, but there's obviously a lot of stuff like in the legal space surrounding yeah, same. Uh, Vaughn right now. And so, you know, maybe that turns out differently in a couple weeks or something like that. But I think you're, if you're George Payton, like you, you've got to keep him around if you can. I want to extend him. I'm with you. Like I want to, I want to extend him right now. I would I'd pick up his option and keep him around and then see what happens. And, George Payton probably has a better idea of what's actually going on than anyone on the outside does. And I'm not going to, yeah. So without that part of it, because I don't know it, um, the big reason I wouldn't extend Von Miller yet is because his injury last year and his age, it makes sense to see him at least in camp and see what he looks like. If he's still Vaughn, I would probably look to extend him if the legal stuff isn't an issue. If he's less or if there's some concern about it, I would let him play out the year and see what happens and then work on an extension from there. Yeah, and the thinking on the extending of, of Vaughn is this, right, is that he's 
you pick him up and he's due $22 million currently in this year. And so there's a school of thought that if you, if you want to keep him around for another couple years, which if he's still the same guy comes back from injury and you're in a spot where you want, like you need a guy like him. Um, if you, if you feel like you're in kind of contending mode, there's a, there's a play that you could do in terms of restructuring his contract, right? Where you just you lower his cap hit from this year, turn some of it to a signing bonus, you stretch it out, give him an extra maybe two years. And um, it's, not a, it's not a pay cut per se, but you're saving cap this year and then you're getting him two more years. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm with you, I would wait in, in the lens of like, like we said at the very, at the, at the top, right? The, I think my bias would be towards maximum flexibility in 2022. Same. And, you know, doing the Von Miller extension and all of that gives you some dead money past that. And it doesn't give you maximum flexibility. And and that's for me, that's why I look at Justin Simmons and Von Miller differently, because I am fairly confident that Justin Simmons is going to still be a very, very good to elite player in two years. So I don't have any problem extending him because he'll still have value in two years. Um, And again, I'm not trying to be a hater again, Von Miller is my favorite player that I've ever watched. Um, But like, you don't know. And because you don't know, and because speed rushers, historically, speed rushers do tend to hit a wall right around now. So, like, it makes sense to see what he is before you look to make that move. Because, again, if you have to trade him at the deadline, you he's going to probably have value. And I think the other thing, too, is right now he's being paid $22 million. And there's nothing to say that, like, that you don't have a ton of leverage to ask for a pay cut or anything like that. Because the last time you saw him, he was still elite. And, and you know. He deserves that $22 million. There's an argument to be made that you could just let it play out this year. You pick up the option, let it play out. And then you come up, you come back with a, Hey, let's extend your career. Let's baby, you know, if you're, if you're starting to decline, let's put you on a snap count. Let's, I mean, let's have you here till you're 35, be like Cameron wake and just be a situational pass rusher or something. And you, you structure a deal that's appropriate to that. And so maybe it's $15 million. Maybe it's, $12 $12 million for a three year deal like per year. Right. Mm-hmm. And so at that point you could actually, you could right size the the new extension. If you just let him play out this one, as opposed to mixing the two. Yep. And, and the other thing, and this is just to kind of like look at this kind of Avenue. If Von Miller became a free agent, where do you think he would land in the, the tier of edge rankings? Cause I think he's probably number one and I don't think it's, I don't think it's close. Yeah, I want to disagree. I'm, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the edge players. Um, and that's I mean, beyond, like beyond all the other stuff. That's why I would not cut him because yeah. like like th- as soon as you cut him, there's going to be at least ten teams calling to try and get him on the line. Yeah, yeah. So I would I for sure would would bring him back. I, I mean, assuming everything right, like we said, everything shakes out um, from a legal standpoint from a health, like he feels good about coming back and playing and, and everything like, seems to indicate in that direction. And so, yeah, I mean, that's what I would do. I know there's a lot of talk about, like we've already cut AJ Boyer. There's a lot of talk of potentially cutting Jarrell Casey. I don't know. Like, I don't know that I would do it unless there's like, there's not enough unless Deshaun Watson's the Deshaun Watson situation is like a very real possibility. I'm not saying it's not, but if it like was really weighing heavy on George Payton, 
where he wanted to make sure he had that flexibility from a cap perspective. I could see them cutting Jarrell Casey, but unless you're going to do something else with that cap room, I think if you feel good, if you feel like you like where you're at from a cap perspective, I'd keep him around because I, I think he still brings what he brought last year before the injury. And um, you could still have room to bring back Shelby Harris, even with Jarrell Casey's deal on the books. My, my argument against keep, I, I've kind of gone back and forth on this one, so I could, I could go either way. So if they keep him, I'm pretty happy because again, I like Jarrell Casey quite a bit, but if they have a plan or if I, and in this scenario, I would have a plan to probably use that money. Um, and essentially I'm just kind of banking on the fact that like we can either get Shelby Harris back, or if we can't get Shelby Harris back, we'll find somebody else who can step in and fill that role as Draymond Jones kind of steps forward. Because I mean, when I've gone back and like watched the Broncos tape, like Draymond Jones, I, he's a guy I need to go back and actually just focus on him and watch every snap as I go through the games because he pops, he pops a lot. Like he's, I, I am very, very high on where Draymond Jones is going to be at this time next year. Yeah, and that would be the argument, I think, for not bringing back Casey is that Draymond's ready for a starting, and I put that in quotation marks because you want to have a rotation anyway. But if you are bringing back Shelby Harris and Jarrell Casey on decent money, like that that starts to put a cap on his snap ceiling, yep. and maybe you don't want to do that. And so, I mean, I do think that probably is a, a larger conversation with Bill um, Kolar and Vic Fangio if you're George Payton as opposed to just like a cap decision. It's more of, hey, what's our plan for the defensive line room and who do we want to really bring along and make space for? Um, So I could see that. Where are you at with Shelby Harris then? It sounds like you would want to keep him. Yeah, I would bring him back. Um, If the, I think the fit is just too good in the way that he plays and I mean, I think this time you're not going to get away, obviously, with paying him $3 million, but you could potentially bring him back. Like, he's still, I don't think, a big, big name out on the market. And, I mean, I thought he was going to make a lot more money last year. And I so maybe he does this year. Maybe he cashes in. But I think if you can bring him back on a decently team-friendly deal, and I say, like, to me, that's in the 8 to $10 million range, maybe a little more than that. And, and, um, so, and so that's where I got into, like – Again, because I've, I've been doing a ton of looking into this because I knew I was going to try and write about it. So Pro Football Focus has like their free agent list and they they consult with over the cap to try and project like what the contracts will look like. And they gave Shelby Harris more than $11 million. And so for me at that point, if you're paying Shelby Harris that much and I want him to make it, like again, I thought he should have made it last year. So I'm not trying to say that. But if I'm the Broncos and they're trying to pay him 11 plus million, I'm starting to I'm starting to look at the length of the deal and how flexible the deal is because again and and again this is me having a lot of faith in Draymond Jones. I know I'm probably going to end up paying him in two years. So if Shelby Harris at 30 years old because he turns 30 on my birthday August 11th, if Shelby Harris is turning 30 and we sign him for four years at 11 million dollars a year, it might create a lot of issues down the road. Yeah, particularly with Shelby's age, and I mean at that point, I think you just keep Drell Casey. Right, because Jarrell Casey is no due guarantees. $11 million, no guarantees, and then in 2022, he's only 33 years old, and he's due 13 million dollars, almost 14. It's 13.8, and so like if you're going to be paying, let's let's split the difference and say, um, you know, 12, 13 million a year for two years, you might as well just keep Jarrell Casey and not have to worry about bringing Shelby Harris back on a deal like that, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be, that would be the time that I would, I would swap them out potentially. So 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go from defensive line to corner because I think that's the most obvious need on the Broncos. I don't think anybody would argue the cornerback is not a need if they actually paid attention because again, Bryce Callahan was very good. But outside of Bryce Callahan, and he got hurt, so like keep that in mind. But outside of Bryce Callahan, Michael Ojemudie and Essing Bassi both got benched at one point or another last year. Like they they both got benched. And again, they're both sophomores like coming in. So like I obviously they're probably gonna improve some, but it's no guarantee that either one of them is going to be a starting caliber corner this year, like a good starting caliber corner. So so I think with Bryce Callahan's age, contract, injury history. And the fact that you don't yet know what you have in Ojemudie or Essengbassi, cornerback is both a short-term need and a long-term need at both nickel and outside corner. Yeah. Yeah, I think at minimum this offseason, you have to walk away with at least a draft pick that's in the top probably four rounds, maybe three um, at corner, like a guy that you can – that like an Ojemudie that can come in and contribute, potentially even better than that where it's like you – you're banking on this guy to be your number one guy for the future. Depending on what they do with quarterback, I think cornerback can be the the guy they go with at number nine. Same. Um, but I think you have to walk away with a young draft pick you believe in, and I think you have to walk away with a veteran that can anchor that room too just because of what the point that you brought up with Bryce Callahan. He could be hurt again, and you know, you're know you up a creek again without another strong veteran presence in the room, and just because of how much youth is in that room in general – I think having another veteran guy would be really good. So I think you would be, I'd be looking in free agency and guys like um, Patrick Peterson pop out to me. I think he would be interesting. I would love him in the Fangio system. Yeah. Particularly as he's, you know, getting towards the end of his career. I mean, he's a smart guy, um, can play any type of coverage. And, and I think he would fit really well in what Nick Fangio does and and i want to say like there's no doubt that he he's definitely shown signs of decline so like i'm not saying that he's going to step in here and be patrick peterson from four years ago but like you see like again and you've seen this too like you and i've watched him like you see the instincts and he knows how to read a play like playing in a system like fangio's that doesn't demand him man up on everybody every single snap it could help him kind of extend his career and he'd be a really good fit yeah I think another guy that I that I have my eyes on um, is potentially Jason McCourty. I don't know what he's going to do um, from New England. He'd be an interesting one because, I mean, he only made $5 million last year, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm sure he's looking for a bigger payday probably than Denver is is looking to give. Um, Bashad Breland is an interesting one from the Chiefs, but there really isn't a lot of top names – at the corner position, you're probably at that point, you're kind of more bargain shopping and hoping to develop a guy. Um, what one guy dropping a big name? Go ahead. One, one guy I really like just for, so, so it's kind of like this, like because Bryce Callahan is an inside outside corner, he can play both spots pretty well. Um, I would not be opposed to taking on a veteran nickel with the idea that then we looked to draft an outside guy. And then you have depth at both spots in case Callahan's hurt. And you have insurance against both Bassey and Ojemudia, depending on how they shake out. Because the thing is, you're going to play three corners like they're starters. Like, it doesn't hurt to have five corners that can play, or more. Like, it doesn't, like, you can't really have too many. Um, so the guy that I really like, Cameron Sutton, he uh, he came from the, and granted, it'd be confusing as heck to have Sutton and Sutton, but, but to have Cameron Sutton uh, from Pittsburgh, he's played slot, but then last year, because of injuries, he actually had to move outside, and he was pretty good. Um, and 
I like him. He can play man. He can play zone. Like he can tackle. Like he comes from a physical defense. Like I like him as a fit. And I think he hasn't played a lot. So the idea is his, his market's probably going to be lower and he may very well improve quite a bit in an expanded role. Yeah. Um, I like that. I like that name too. I think Shaquille Griffin's an interesting one from Seattle. Um, who I think is more of an outside guy. I haven't watched a ton of him, um, but I think he'd be, he'd be more of an outside guy. He's an interesting name. Um, one guy that I haven't come up with, but I'm seeing his name come across in the free agent list is Sidney Jones. Do you remember Sidney Jones? I do. From Washington. It was so unfortunate that he got hurt because his tape was great coming out of college. Um, he's a free agent. I don't really, I haven't honestly done any, you know, background or tape watching on what he's done since then. But that's, I mean, he's 25 years old. Like that's a, that's maybe a flyer that you take on a guy. Can he still play or can you develop him or turn his career around in a different setting? Right. Well, and to, to your point, like, so I, I listen to pro football Focus's uh, podcast every now and then. And one thing Steve Palazzolo has always been a big proponent for is this idea of creep back to average with the idea that like in free agency, it makes sense to take some flyers on guys in hopes that like you get a bargain for a year, like Jason Verrett, the 49ers just got Jason Verrett for a year because he's been hurt forever. And all of a sudden he wasn't hurt last year. He was the only guy that wasn't hurt. And he played like a really, really good corner outplayed his contract. So like getting a Sidney Jones, if you think he can still ball, it makes sense. Um, Ronald Darby. I think Ronald Darby's price is going to be pretty high, but like, I wouldn't be opposed to him for a similar reason because like he's had on years off years, but like bring him into a system like Fangio's if Fangio believes in him, like could be pretty good. Yeah. And I oh. think, I think that's going to be probably the, the biggest piece that, that we'll need to go through is, and you, and you got to know that George Payton is going through these names as well. Right. And trying to, I'm sure you've got, they've got a couple targets at this position from the top end. And then also flyers that you take on guys potentially further down the roster. Um, two guys that I know from Dallas is Awuja and Jordan Lewis, and both of them are unrestricted free agents. I don't know what Dallas is planning to do with um, with Jordan Lewis, but I know he can play in the slot and is pretty talented at that um, and it, it played pretty well at times. Awuja is an interesting one that I think – I mean, he was, he was kind of up and down and had a lot of um, potential, but his, his ball skills were pretty lacking in Dallas, but, um, those are two guys that are out on the market too. That can be interesting. Well, and the one thing that's really interesting with basically all of Dallas is free agents is as of right now, again, according to like the cap being at the projected 180.5, Dallas has 19 million in cap space, but they're almost definitely going to have to franchise tag Dak, which means that they're going to be over the cap. So like their, their cap situation is actually potentially pretty bad. Um, so I, both corners should be available. I would think, uh, do you have any any linebackers you're looking at in free agency? I like the draft. There's a couple guys at the top that I'm curious about. I would sniff around, but if the price starts to like creep up into stupid money range, like I'm out. Like my my whole thing is like this draft class is pretty good. Josie Jewell was better than advertised. Like I'm if if you have to roll with Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson as starters next year, I'm okay with it. Like I don't want it. I think you can upgrade on Jewell if you can't, but I would rather do the draft to do that. Yeah, that's the way I'm looking at it. Like, I'm not, I'm just not a fan of bringing in and pay because free agency, you're always going to pay a premium, right? And I'm fine doing that at cornerback. I don't really want to do that at linebacker. 